put yourself in this young soldier's sandals and ask yourself, would I be able to praise God if I found myself in the situation in which he found himself? Here it is. You're young, very young. Your country is at war and you volunteer to fight. You're not drafted. You sign up freely because you believe in the cause. In the very first battle, you are the linchpin, the deciding factor that tips the scales in your country's favor. You're a hero. When you return from the battlefield, they throw a ticker tape parade just for you. You're promoted all the way to general as a reward for your bravery. You marry the woman of your dreams, you buy a house together, and you continue to lead your army to victory after victory. You become a household name all across the country. But then, the leader of your country gets jealous. He gets jealous of your success, of your beloved reputation. He tries to kill you again and again and again. You barely escape his assassin's arrows by sneaking out a window, and your wife has to stay behind to cover for you. And now you're in the wind, on the run, hiding out, while the manhunt scours the city and countryside looking for you. You're doing things you never conceived you would do. You lie to your pastor. You asked him to help you, and you end up getting him killed. You're so scared for the lives of your family that you spirit them away to a foreign country. You have to go completely off the grid. You end up camping in a cave. Your only dubious bit of help comes from a misfit bunch of rogues who start turning up at your cave. Some of them are dodging debt collectors, others are thieves, some even worse. And all of these, just by virtue of showing up, expect you to feed and clothe and lead them. As their numbers swell, this becomes a pretty big problem, but it also makes it a lot harder to hide. By the time 600 of these ne'er-do-wells have invaded your quiet sanctuary, people are starting to notice and they report you. And now the manhunt is on again. You spend years on the run, sleeping rough on dirt and rock, eating whatever you can find and starving when you cannot. You live in constant fear for your life as a hunted, wanted man. And now as you consider your condition, how much of your time and energy could you spend and how much thankfulness could you generate to write praise songs, play an instrument and sing unto the Lord? You might be surprised. Somehow in the midst of running for his life, David, and some of you had already guessed that, David composed some of the most beautiful songs in human history. Imagine the nights David spent in the cave of Adullam, surrounded by cutthroat band of scoundrels and scallywags who are grumbling over their rough conditions, their stomachs rumbling with hunger. And David pulls the leather cover off of his shepherd's harp and begins to run calloused fingers over the strings. Heads lift as he begins to sing, and these hardened, calloused men begin to feel goosebumps. Tears prick the corners of their eyes as they feel something they have never felt before. They feel the presence of God. And for a little while, as their masculine voices melded in song, that rough cave became as holy as the sanctuary itself. It's a beautiful story, and I am really looking forward to sharing it with you right after this. Welcome to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, brought to you by Word of Flame Curriculum and the Pentecostal Publishing House. This podcast encourages adult disciples to think deeply about God's Word, further develop their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and make a greater commitment to the purpose and plan of God for their lives. Let's dive into today's lesson and explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. 
Welcome back, God's Word for Life listeners. So glad to have you back. You are listening to L.J. Harry. I'm your host on this God's Word for Life companion podcast, and this episode is dated March 20th, 2022, and it is entitled, Greatly to be Praised. So if you have your companion student guide with you, would you turn to that lesson, March 20th, 2022, Greatly to be Praised? If you don't have it, that's okay. Just turn with me, if you would, in your Bible to the book of Psalms, to one of these beautiful Psalms written by David. We're going to look at the 100th Psalm, interestingly enough, rightfully so, on this 100th episode of God's Word for Life. Psalm 100, this 100th episode, verse 4, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. David could easily have fallen into the trap many of us fall into when we face things like David faced. Reversals, trials, troubles, valleys. David could have blamed God. He could have asked how God could allow him, the hero of Israel, the slayer of Goliath, to be hunted like a dog across the deserts and mountains in Israel. But while we do at times see David heartbreakingly honest with God about his desperation, more often than not, we see David worship and praise God in spite of his desperation. David decided, as we must too, no matter what the circumstances in life might be, God is still worthy of my worship. Can you think of a time when you worshiped God despite a bad situation? And how did you manage to worship in spite of it all? Worship is connected to holy reverence or to the fear of God. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 96, Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. There's an understanding of who God is. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations, they're just idols. But the Lord, he made the heavens. David saw this fear of the Lord as positive. Since God is so powerful, he's a mighty ally. The eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy. Psalm 33, verse 18. And the very next psalm assures us, The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him, and delivereth them. Even in the cave, David could worship God because he was certain his mighty God was ready and waiting to deliver him. Creation worships God. All creation points to a creator. All creation worships the Lord with a single possible exception, and that would be us. Humanity. Of all God's creation, humanity alone has free will. We decide whether we will praise him. The sun shines forth God's glory. The moon reflects God's glory. The stars remind us of God's glory and his infinite majesty. When you look at how designed the plants and the animals and the landscape are all around us, they point to God's immeasurable wisdom, his creative genius. These all involuntarily worship God. Only one creature on earth can refuse to worship God, humanity. When it came to humanity, God decided to give us the choice. Do I worship God or not? Voluntary worship from a willing heart that is overwhelmed by the majesty and the glory of God, that means more to God than all the rest of creation put together. When we put it that way, how could we ever refuse to give Almighty God the worship He is due Every part of creation does all it can to worship God. 
The sun shines as bright as it can. The birds sing as beautifully as they can. The flowers bloom in the most glorious colors, especially in spring. Enjoy them this spring. They're going to bloom, and it will be beautiful. Let's worship God with all we have. If you can sing, sing with everything in you. If you can't sing, well, join the crowd and make a joyful noise. If you can play an instrument, play it with all the skill you possess and do it for the glory of God. If you have strength in your legs, dance and jump before the Lord. If you have hands, clap them to the Lord, raise them to the Lord. Worship God with everything you have. Many of us have favorite ways to worship God. What is yours? What is your favorite way to worship? Worship goes deeper than singing and shouting and dancing and clapping. David said, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. It could be argued that holiness brings even more glory to God than our praise and worship at church on Sunday. It's possible to sing and shout on Sunday, but go out and live in such a way that it undermines our supposed high regard and reverence and fear of God. If we truly have fear, awesome reverence, and respect for God, it will not only come out in the way we praise Him, it will come out in the way we live for Him. Those who truly live in awe of God will regularly ask themselves this question, is this pleasing to God? Does this honor Him? Holiness is based on the guidelines laid out in the Word of God, but these guidelines, they're not an end unto themselves. They are a written reflection of God's intentions and will for our lives. When God first made humanity, he said it was very good. Every other part of creation was just good. But by the time of the flood, while everything else in creation was still good, humanity had so completely abandoned God's purpose that what had been very good was so very evil. In fact, every thought of every heart was only evil continually. So much so that God said, I'm sorry I even made them. But the good news is we can get back on track. We can get back into right relationship and alignment with Jesus Christ. We can be holy as he is holy. He can change our lives forever. When we listen to and obey God's word and are filled with God's spirit and led by God's spirit, holiness is the result. Holiness is simply fulfilling God's original plan for us. It is like the sun shining during the day. It's perfectly natural. It's perfectly glorious. It's not some artificial construct or legalistic set of rules made up by man, but holiness is listening to our Creator's instructions and living the way He always intended us to live. Think about that concept of holiness. How is that concept, living according to God's original intention for us, how does it help us live right and bring glory to God? In this self-same psalm, Psalm 96, the psalmist wrote, For the Lord is great, (laughs) that is the truth, and greatly to be praised, also the truth. Much has been said and written about the difference between worship and praise. They're closely related, sometimes used interchangeably. And some say worship is what we do because of who God is and praise because of what he has done. Others say worship is directed toward God alone for him to hear, while praise is what we tell others about what God has done. Well, David made the connection between praise and other people when he wrote, Declare his glory among the heathen, his wonders among all people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. Psalm 96, verses 3 through 4. Whether we're aiming our praises to God directly or praising him to others around us, we certainly have a lot to praise for. 
Now think for a moment how important it is that the Lord is good. God is all-powerful. So imagine if he were evil instead of good. What if God were cruel or, here's a fun word, capricious, like the false gods of many nations in history? Who would survive? If God randomly chose who would live or who would die based on his mood that day, what would our lives look like? But instead, over and over, the Bible assures us the Lord is good. He gives good gifts to his children. He sends rain as a symbol of his blessing on the just and the unjust. He makes the sun to shine on both because he wants all people to know he loves them. James wrote, Every good and perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Every good thing in life comes from God. I can tell you where it came from without one glance at the return address. It came from God. And we praise the Lord. Praise the Lord's kind of become synonymous with hello or good morning. When you see somebody in, in the church building on Sunday morning, we say praise the Lord. But we've become so familiar with these words, maybe we forgot the reason behind them. Let's take time today to count our blessings. Think about the times God has been good, all the times God has brought us through things, and let's praise him because he's good. What is one thing, just one, of the many for which you can praise God today? Here's one, his mercy. God's mercy never expires. It's new every morning. Time and again, David would sin and he would fail and fall, but he always turned back to God. He always got back up. He always repented and he always found God's mercy to be everlasting. Too often we stumble and fall. There's a nonstop war between our flesh and our spirit, between the carnal and the spiritual. And while we love to pretend we're perfect when we come to church on Sunday, truth be told, we're not. We're not perfect. But thank God we are redeemed. We are not perfect, but we are loved. We are not perfect, but we are forgiven. And we are made righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ. So rather than having to act super spiritual, what if we were to praise God to our friends, our co-workers, our unsaved family by saying, here's where I was. I was a sinner. I was down and out. But here's what Jesus did for me. Here's how I used to feel, but here's how I feel now. Maybe, just maybe, that will strike a chord with somebody tired of living life out of tune with the Creator. Maybe somebody near you is already sensing that the way he or she is living is along the lines of the sun shining only every once in a while, not fulfilling the purpose of the Creator or pleasing the Creator, and that has left a hole, a void inside. But thanks to God's everlasting mercy, it's not too late for this person or any person. As we talk to others about God, we prove once again that his truth endures to all generations. We serve the same God today that David served some 3,000 years ago, and the same God Noah served thousands of years before that. A continuity of truth comes down to us through the ages and the pages of the book that is unshaken by the ravages of time. Critics have come and gone, but the book remains. Governments and empires have risen and tried to eradicate the Bible, but they have fallen, yet the Bible stands. Philosophers have tried to suggest alternatives to Scripture's pure morality, but all human philosophies have failed to create the heart change that Scripture creates in humanity. In this postmodern era in which we live, everything is being questioned. But this is not new. We call it postmodern, but it's not new. 
Pontius Pilate asked the very same question people ask in our day. What is truth? The very foundations of society are eroding. Reality itself is being questioned. As humanity rushes to ensure everybody is non-judgmental and tolerant, many people have lost touch with rationality and just, quite frankly, with reason itself. Many have dismissed the Bible as too absolute, too cut and dry in its statement of facts to fit with a supposedly progressive modern mindset. But we can be thankful that while heaven and earth may pass away, the Word of God will never pass away. As Christians, we don't have to watch the foundation of our lives swept away by a wishy-washy worldview that changes from one day to the next, all depending on the latest poll or the latest trend or fad or fashion or the latest social media influencer. We are built on the solid rock that is Jesus Christ and his forever settled, never failing word. So given all of this and all of these blessings and benefits and gifts from God, how should we react? David had an answer. He said, let's enter into his gates with thanksgiving and let's enter his courts with praise. Let's be thankful unto him and bless his name. Psalm 100 verse 4. When we come onto church property, into the church house, into the church campus, we should come with words of thanksgiving and praise on our lips and thankfulness in our hearts. Every day we should enter his presence with prayer and praise. We should bless his name for all he has done and give him glory. What glory do we have to give God? Any and all glory we may have, anything good we may do, we give that back to God. Any achievement, any talent, we give it all back to God for his glory. We praise him, we bless him, and give him glory for all the good he has done. All right, let's wrap this up. In the ancient world, think back several years, thousands of years, if a king established or promoted the worship of a particular national deity, he did so in an effort to establish his own position a little more firmly. King Nebuchadnezzar, for example, recaptured the idol of the Babylonian god Marduk from the Elamites, and then he used that as propaganda to show what a great king he was. King Darius of Persia, whose right to rule was tenuous at best. There was a lot of debate there. He built a monument proclaiming several times that he was chosen to be king by the god Ahura Mazda himself. In Egypt, the pharaohs, they claimed to be divinely chosen, divine themselves. In short, ancient monarchs used their gods to make themselves look better and more powerful. But David had a different approach. When he finally left the cave and he took up the crown, David went out to recover the Ark of the Covenant, which was the symbol of the presence of God, and bring it back to Jerusalem. And you might expect him to walk through the gates solemnly in royal robes with great pomp and circumstance so everybody would look at him. He could have made that moment all about him and his glory and who he is and what he did. But instead, David laid aside his royal garments, put on a simple linen ephod, and he danced before the Lord with all his might. The singers were singing, the priests were offering their sacrifices, instruments blaring, and there was King David dancing in the street like a common slave, and he didn't even care. He didn't care who was watching, he didn't care what people thought. As far as David was concerned, God was worthy of all of his worship and praise, because God had delivered David out of the hand of all of his enemies and out of the hand of King Saul. God had anointed David to be king, 
So David danced and worshiped in the presence of God with total abandon. What a lesson for us. What would our worship look like today if we forgot about everything and everyone around us and simply focused on who God is and what he has done? Today, why not throw off your inhibitions and just worship and praise God for he is God. He is the creator. He is our savior. And a quote from the psalmist in Psalm 100, he is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth still endures to all generations. This is a great time to praise God and give him glory for who he is and what he's done. Wherever you are, would you lift your hands if you can? If you're driving, go and keep them on the wheel. But if you're not, would you lift your hands and praise God with me? Or at the very least, your voice. And let us praise him together. Lord Jesus, we worship you. You are great and greatly to be praised. There is none above you. There is none beside you, none equal to you. All the gods are idols, but you have made the heavens. You are the creator of heaven and earth. You are the savior of my soul. You are the redeemer of the redeemed. We worship you today, Jesus, for who you are and what you've done. May our lives ever be to give you glory. I pray help our lives to give you glory, to shine and share the goodness of God with those around us. May we praise you and worship you for who you are and what you have done. We honor and bless you and give you praise in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you so much, God's Word for Life listeners. I hope this has been a blessing to you. Be sure to click subscribe or share. That way it continue to bless you, this episode and podcast, and share so it can continue to bless others. If you are looking for some great resources, go no farther than PentecostalPublishing.com, and you will find Bibles, books, devotionals, inspiration, no books, you'll find CDs, you'll find sermons, you'll find all kinds of ways to help you in your discipleship and help others in theirs. You'll find Bible studies, you'll find wonderful resources, PentecostalPublishing.com. Next week, we wrap up our series, Our Hiding Place, and our our episode will be dated March 27th, 2022, and it will be entitled, Seek to Hide, from the 27th Psalm. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week, and always look forward to learning and living out God's Word for Life. Thank you for listening to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, where together we explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you are looking for other Bible study tools and resources to encourage you in your walk with God, visit us today at PentecostalPublishing.com.